are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So there's a book called The Principal Path by Andy Stanley. I wonder, have any of you read this particular book? Can you raise your hand if you have? It's called The Principal Path by Andy Stanley. I think it's one of the great books. In fact, if I had teenagers living in my home today, I would say... This is mandatory reading. We will feed you again after you have read this book. But, of course, you have to read the book first as parents. And what Andy Stanley does is he says that there are paths that we choose in life that have predictable destinations, okay? So did you hear me? There are paths that all of us choose in life that have predictable destinations. And so it works like this. In your finances, you have chosen a path, the way that you deal with, view, use money. And and all of us have chosen a financial path. And some of you are sitting here looking at me this morning saying, the path that I've chosen financially will one day mean that I will save this much money when I come to retirement because of the path that I've chosen. There's a predictable destination at the end of the path. There are others of you who are saying, I have chosen a path that if I stay on this path, it means that money will always be difficult in my life, okay? Same with relationships, Stanley says. So any relationship that you want to choose, your spouse, your parents, brother, sister, friend, or whatever, when you look at that relationship, you say, okay, I've chosen a path in this relationship, and if I stay on this path, I can easily see the future, and I can see where this relationship ends up. And Andy would say, it's the same with your relationship with God. So the path that you have chosen in regard to your journey with God, has a predictable destination. All right? That's the way that he talks. Now, you don't have to know the principle for it to be applied to your life. You don't even have to be aware of the principle. Here's what's going to happen. One of these days, you're going to arrive where you have been headed all along (laughs) because you've chosen a path. And one day you simply arrive at your destination because direction determines destination every time. And so the path that you're currently on will determine where you are going to end up. Which brings Andy Stanley to what he believes is the best question ever. And the best question ever is, based on my past experience... And my dreams and my hopes for the future, what is now the wise thing to do? So I want you to think with me about the path principle for a minute in line of your own journey with God and what we've been calling practices, okay? So if you will just look me in the eye for a minute right up here and just focus with me for just a second. If you say to me, Rick, going to church for me is something that I do if nothing else is going on. It's not really a priority, but if there's nothing else going on, many times I will go to church. Or if you say to me, Rick, I don't really pray. That's not part of my daily life. I don't really read the Bible or religious literature. That's not really what I'm plugged into. Or if you say to me, I don't have any kind of a setting where I sit around with other people and talk about my journey with God or where I listen to other people talk about their journey with God, okay? Or I'm not very generous. I don't really serve anywhere. I don't give of my time, and I certainly don't give my money away much. 
to other people or even to the church for that matter for the work of the kingdom of God. And I definitely don't really share my faith because what would I share? I mean, you've heard my story. If that's your story, then I would say to you that your destination is quite predictable because you have chosen a path and where that path leads you, I think I have an understanding of. And here's the reason why. And you might want to write this down. And you might want to write it down in the worship folder that you received. If you open the page, there's a place for sermon notes. And if you do take some notes today, it might help you when you get in a small group later this week to talk about the sermon. You can remember some of the things that were said because you've written some of the things down. But the reason that I believe that that path is predictable is for this reason. And you might write this down. Because God often uses, okay... God often uses our practices like corporate worship, worshiping with one another, or one-on-one time with God in prayer and Bible study, or group life, or serving, or giving, or sharing our faith. God often uses our practices to shape our lives and transform us. Okay? God often uses our practices to shape our lives and to transform us into the image of Jesus. And so that's why I've been saying to you, as we journey together, here's what it boils down to. On the very back of your worship folder this morning, you see the word, the journey, over here on the left side, and it has the practices listed. That's why I've said to you, why don't you choose one or more of these six practices to begin to implement into your life or to improve on. So so which of these would you say? I'm going to say, Rick, I'm just going to be at church every Sunday over these next 40 days because I believe God can use this to change me. I'm going to get up every morning or before I go to bed or sometime in my day, I'm going to have some one-on-one time with God. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray because I believe that God can change me through that practice. Or I'm going to participate in a small group. And Mike gave you some ideas today about how you might get in a group. I'm going to get in a small group during these 40 days because I believe that God may use that group experience to change me. I'm going to serve somewhere. Right now, I'm working with a guy who is at a hospital over here. And I'm saying, you know, I don't know how much I really serve because so much of the serving that I do, I get a check for. They pay me to serve. And so where am I serving as a pastor where I'm not getting paid to serve? And so I'm talking to a hospital saying, what if I come over and volunteer and help you guys out some? I believe that when I give, that when I give things away, when I give money away, I believe God uses that practice to make me a less greedy person. I believe when I share my faith, God uses that. And so what I want you to continue to do, and if you weren't here last Sunday for the sermon, I, I would suggest you go to BethanyNaz.org, click on worship, listen to that sermon, and begin to say, which of these practices will I adopt or seek to improve on over the next 40 days, believing that I can't change my heart, but maybe through these practices, God will change me. So today, I want to talk to you about that first practice, worshiping together, okay? And I want to give you an example of a man whose life was changed through worship. So if you want to grab a Bible, you can go with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, and I'm going to read the first 
eight verses. Isaiah in the Old Testament, almost in the very middle of your Bible, chapter 6, the first eight verses. Here we go. In the year that King Uzziah died. Now some of you are saying, I'm already lost. I don't know Uzziah. I don't know where he was king. So let me stop a minute and talk about that because it places us in context, okay? Uzziah was the king of Judah. You say, what's Judah? Is that the Hebrew people, Israel, and all of that? Well, it is. But after Solomon's kingship, the nation of Israel, the Hebrew people, the people of God, their nation was torn in two. There's now a northern kingdom that we refer to as Israel, and there is a southern kingdom that you refer to as Judah. And both of those kingdoms had kings, okay? Uzziah was the king of Judah for 52 prosperous years. So what do you mean, Rick, when you say prosperous? Here's what I mean. I mean that, you know, Uzziah had fortified cities, and he had a strong standing army, and he had a seaport that was good for commerce. I mean, life was good in Judah when Uzziah was king. But there was a problem. And the problem is, ethical standards were very low. Moral fiber was lacking in the country. And religion had been reduced to this formal act. And so Isaiah the prophet comes on the scene. And I mean, he... He calls out kings, and he calls out the prince, and he calls out merchants, and he says, we have got to get back to sincere worship. Okay, Uzziah died. And so it was in the year of his death that Isaiah said, i got to tell you about something that happened to me, okay? It was an experience that I had. And he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I mean, are you hearing this? He's saying, I saw God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw God. It was incredible. Listen to his description. High and exalted, he was seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled like the whole temple. And above him were seraphim. These are angels, okay? Each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. And with two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is full of His glory. And he says, the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. So can you kind of put yourself there in that experience? I mean, it is amazing. Now, what happens next is his response, okay? And so here's what he says. Whoa! You know, Woe is me. I'm ruined. What he's saying is, I am done. I am finished. This is the end for me. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and now my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then, here's the good news. You ready for good news? Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth. And he said, see, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Now this is transformation. Then I heard the voice of the Lord say, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send 
me. Transformation. Amen? Amen. Annette and I were at home two weeks ago on Saturday morning. It was just a little bit after 7 o'clock. And man, there was an earthquake. How many of you were awake for that earthquake two weeks ago? A lot of you just saying, yeah, I wasn't up yet. Too bad. I didn't experience it. So when we moved to Oklahoma... Life, life changed. And we had never, ever experienced an earthquake. And I remember one day, first time it ever happened to me, I was sitting in my living room and I, and I was sitting on a chair and my legs were crossed like this. And all of a sudden I noticed my foot just started going back and forth like this and I wasn't moving it. And I was like, whoa, that was an earthquake. I've never experienced that before. But, but that was nothing compared to what happened two weeks ago. I mean, two weeks ago there was a whole lot of shaking going on, you know. Magnitude of 5.6. The epicenter was just about 75 miles north of us. And, and they tell me that it is the largest earthquake that has ever happened in the state of Oklahoma. I was in our bedroom when it happened. And I mean, the mirror is just shaking like this, hitting against the wall. I was like, what in the world is going to happen? Is it going to stop? It, w- it was amazing. Okay, now, here's what you got to do. You ready? You take that, that experience... And you bring it with you to Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah says, I'm in the temple and I see God himself. And the train of his robe filled the entire temple. And there were angels, seraphim, and they're flying around with two of their wings. And they got their face covered and their feet covered. And they start singing this song, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And, and when they begin to say that, you know what happened? Their voices begin to shake the threshold and the doorpost of the temple like an Oklahoma earthquake. They laughed in first service and you guys didn't, but it's okay. So you understand, the building is shaking. And Isaiah is in the presence of God. Now here's what interests me. What interests me is his response. And his response comes because he knows the Scripture. He knows Exodus 33. Exodus 33 is where God says to Moses, you cannot see my face because no man can see me and live. And Isaiah says, I am finished. This is it for me because I have seen God and you can't see God and live. So I'm done. But not only does he see God, but he sees something else. And what he sees is himself. And he sees his sin. And it's like he's saying, when I see the holiness of God, you know what I really see? I see my unholiness. Or when I see the purity of God, what I really see is my impurity. Because I got stuff in my life. And I have not become the person I hoped I would become. I've got issues. And what he begins to do is lament. He begins to cry out to God with great sorrow. I am unclean. I'm not like you. I'm not pure. I'm not holy like you. I've got issues. I've got regrets. I've got failures. I've let you down way too many times. And I shouldn't be in your presence like this. I really hope 
I really hope that over the next 40 days, and the room is open throughout the week, I hope that you can find your way to the church and you can take about 30 minutes to go into room 100 and just sit down with those exhibits and read what is written there and take some time to cry out to God. And some of you need to go in a room like that and just say, God, I'm really sorry that I failed you so bad. I'm sorry that I got sin in my life. I'm sorry that my life is not what I hoped it or you hoped it would be. That's lament. That's crying out to God. And there's some of you that need to go in a room like that and say, God, I've had some really bad things happen to me and I'm hurting really bad and I really need you to heal me. It's lament. And that's what Isaiah did. And and all of a sudden, this is not about an event that happened 2,700 years ago that I can't relate to. But everybody in the room who's looking at me right now would say, Hey, Rick. I know what it is to feel like I've really let God down. To have stuff in my life that I shouldn't have in my life. To be really sorry for some choices that I've made and the way that I've lived. Do you like Chick fil A? We have one major fan of Chick-fil-A in there. When you go to Chick-fil-A, what is the phrase that you hear there? Yeah, see, everybody, everybody responds to that. I was talking with a friend the other day whose name is Blair Spindle. Shout out to Blair, please, from everybody in the house. And we were talking about the incredible customer service at Chick-fil-A. It was just like, man, these people are incredible with customer service. And in the conversation with Blair, it occurs to me that the reason they say my pleasure is only because you and I say thank you. They never hand you the food and say my pleasure. It's only when you say thank you that they say my pleasure. My pleasure is simply a response to us expressing gratitude to them. And therefore the question lingers, why in the world do you and I go into Chick-fil-A saying thank you all of ourselves? And the reason we go into Chick-fil-A and we say thank you all of ourselves is because they are so good at customer service. They do such a good job of serving us that it makes us say thank you. And it makes them say, my pleasure. Do you know what worship is? Worship is a response to God. Because God, like Chick-fil-A, is so good in customer service that we find ourselves saying thank you all over ourselves. Do you understand that we don't initiate anything with God? It's all God. And even worship is a response to God's goodness in our lives. And we find ourselves getting up in the morning and opening our Bible and praying and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we find ourselves coming into a room like this. And what do we do for a half hour? We just say, thank you, 
thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Thank you because you have been so good to us and you are so full of grace and you're so full of love and you're so full of mercy and we just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. And God says, my pleasure. I love to do good things for you guys. That's what worship is. Worship is our response to God because of all of His goodness in our lives. Now, I think what we can learn from Isaiah is the spirit with which we come to worship. And the spirit that Isaiah came to worship with was not, I've got it all together. I'm doing really good. I don't need anything or any help. I'm pretty much doing a great job of walking this walk. It's not his spirit. He says, I've got stuff in my life, God. I'm unclean. I'm impure. I think things I should never think. I do things I should never do. And I really need you to change me. And when we come before God with that kind of a spirit, guess what He does? (laughs) Even in worship, He changes us. And for Isaiah, the really good news was this angel comes and touches his lip with this coal and says, Your sins are forgiven, Isaiah. They are covered, they are atoned for, and you're free from your guilt now. You love this stuff. And when you and I come to worship and we say, God, I've got stuff in my life, and I shouldn't think some of the things that I have thought this week or done some of the things that I've done, and I really need you to change me, and I need you to forgive me. He touches you, and He forgives you, and your sins are covered. See? So let me, let me take a couple of minutes, hit the pause button there, and talk about the importance of worship, okay? One day in chapter 4 of Matthew, verse 10, Jesus says, Jesus says this. You ready? These are Jesus' words. You should worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. You want to talk about worship? Jesus says, let's just get you off on the right foot. You worship God and you don't worship anybody else. When God calls Moses to the mountain and He gives him the Ten Commandments, you know what God says to Moses? Number one, top of the list. You worship God and nobody else. Forty days one time, Moses spends on the mountain with God. What do they talk about for 40 days? And you find it in seven long chapters. Moses, this is how worship is to be done. And you begin to get the idea that worship is really important to God. It really matters to Him. Now, there are people who say to me, Rick, I can worship alone. I don't have to be in a church to worship. I don't have to be with others. I can worship by myself. My response to you is, I sure hope you're worshiping alone. I I sure hope that you're worshiping when you're by yourself. I hope that you live your life as worship to God. I hope you offer your body, your everyday eating, sleeping, drinking, going to work, going to school body. I hope you offer it to God as worship. I hope you live your life in worship. I hope you have times when you're alone that you spend time in the Word of God and you pray and you worship. I sure hope you worship alone. 
But when I open the Word of God in passages like Hebrews chapter 10, here's what Paul says. What you're doing right here this morning, right now, whatever you do, okay, whatever you do, don't stop doing this. Don't stop worshiping together. This is really, really important. And so never forsake, never forsake this. The assembling of other believers together in worship. This is important stuff. Never stop doing this. And I love that verse because I'm a preacher. And I love to find verses that I can just shoot at you, you know, just get you with. See, you got to come to church kind of thing, you know. And I look at the Bible and I try to find other verses like that because I love that one so much. And I love shooting at people so much. Give me another verse like that one, God, and I'll just throw it out there Sunday like crazy. And you don't find many others. And you know why? It's because it's assumed. The Hebrew people, the people of God, all the way through, and the early believers in the New Testament, they were not individualistic people. They never asked the question, is this good for me? You know what the question was? Is this good for the community? They would have never dreamed that you could live your life out of faith in isolation. And they believe that transformation happened within the context of the Christian community. So I think you're hearing me, but let me say it clearly just to make sure, okay? I believe that when we come together for practices like this, worshiping together, I believe that God uses this practice to shape our lives and to transform us. I can't tell you how many people over the years said to me, Pastor, it was on a Sunday morning in church when we were singing the song or a pastor was preaching or somebody shared this story. That's when God got a hold of my heart and began to change me. So here's what it looks like for me. My life is a little different than yours. I think preachers are weird. I don't really want an amen on that, but I do. I think we're, we're, we're a little different. Philly, don't you think we're different kind of people? So on the weekend, you're winding down, aren't you? I'm amping up. See, my big day is Sunday. And so as I move through the weekend, I'm building steam. I'm not slowing down. I mean, we're, we're going for it because Sunday is coming. When you are a preacher, Sunday comes with amazing regularity, you know. And as I'm moving towards Sunday... I'm getting ready and I've got sermon on my mind and I'm doing all that kind of thing, okay? And as I'm moving towards Sunday, here I go. And I walk in here on Sunday morning and I sit right over there because I'm a creature of habit. And I stand and I start to sing with you. Sometimes God does His best work in my heart in the first 25 minutes of the service standing right there. I mean, sometimes God does His best work in my heart standing right there. Because when I come to you and we worship together, God uses that practice to shape my life and to transform me, to help me become more like Jesus. Now listen to the end of the story. So the Lord says, so who shall we send? We have a mission. Who will go for us? And you know what Isaiah says? I'll go. <laughs> God loves you too much 
to leave you just like you are. He wants to transform your heart and your life. And the reason He wants to transform your heart and your life is so He can make you useful because He wants to send you. I think it's awesome that Philly Shambo is here with us this morning because it was about 10 years ago that God says to David Busick, who was pastoring this church at that time, David Busick, I want to transform the hearts of you and your people because there is somewhere I want to send you. I want to send you to a country in Africa called Swaziland. And so God transforms us, not just for the sake of transforming us, but I'm going to change your heart because I'm going to use you and I'm going to send you. So it's a God who changes us and a God who sends us. So where's God sending you? So I think there's only one question that we can ask at this point. And we're all done. I'm finished. I'm wrapped him up. Okay, here we go. So when you think about your journey with God right now and the path that you have chosen, what is the predictable destination? So when you think about your journey with God this morning, okay, and the path that you're on, whether you're practicing any of these things or none of these things or all of these things, whatever path you've chosen, and you look at the future, where do you see it taking you? And so what I'm inviting you today to do is to say, no longer is church a last resort for me. It's a priority. And it's not something I do if I don't have anything else going. I'm making it a top priority in my life. This is a practice that I need. And I believe that God is going to use it to change me because I can't change myself. And so this morning, I adopt this practice. And it is very important in my life. Can you take this journey with me? Um, yesterday, uh, and I'm just over time, I'm just going to admit that. Can you stay with me just a minute? We have the Swazi 5K. Philly is there. We're, we're going to run together. Philly's got a knee that's hurting some. Barbie Moore says to me, would you stay back with Philly? And uh, just kind of run with him. And I'm like, sure, no problem. I'll lay back and run with Philly. <laughs> and so I... I walk up and Philly says, no, no, pastor. No, you, you run your race. You Don't wait for me. You go ahead. I'm fine. Really? Yeah, I'm fine. The gun fires. We take off. It's 3.2 miles. Philly's back here. I'm kind of looking over my shoulder like, come on, Philly. You can do it, buddy. Come on. And Philly kind of runs by me. And I never saw Philly again. That was it. And so I think there's a culture, di- cultural difference, and so you have to interpret over culture. You know what I'm saying? And I think what Philly was saying to me when he said, you don't have to wait for me, you go ahead. I think, I think if you translate that into our culture, it is, I am not waiting on your old tired body, okay? I think that's what, what that means, okay? You know what I think would help my running? If I would run prior to next year's 5K which I failed to do this year. I don't really like to run. It hurts. But I think if I did some training, I could probably get better. 
Christianity is not about trying harder. It's not about willpower and determination. Transformation is not about willpower and, and determination. You know what it's about? It's about training. And believing that in my training, and I think worshiping together is one of those ways that we train. And in my training, will God transform me? Okay? I think it's a good way to think. So, why don't you stand with me, and here's what we're going to do. Kyle's going to come, and we're going to sing. And so, before we leave, I'm going to give you an opportunity so we can pray together. Okay? And, and here's, here's what's going on. If this morning, during the sermon, you feel like God is speaking to you, and you want to come and respond to God, then just come and find a place around the altar and pray. Okay? However, if you need lament in your life this morning, and there's something you need to cry out to God about, God, I have failed you, I'm ashamed, I've let you down, I want to be forgiven, you come and cry out to God. If you need to come to God and say, God, there is sickness in my life or my family, or I'm worried about somebody I love, or I'm going through something hard, if you need to lament in that category, come and get on your knees and just cry out to God. It's okay. Sometimes I pray for people, and this week I found myself just stopping my day and praying for my daughter, Brittany. And maybe there's somebody that you love that you want to pray for. You can come down and just pray for that person that you love. Maybe you're going through something tough as a family. Come and pray. Or maybe life is really good, and you want to tell God, Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for forgiving me of sin. Thank you for telling me I can be a part of the kingdom of God right now. Thank you for what you've done for me. I mean, it's a great reason to come to pray. You can also pray where you are, where you're standing. And so let's end our time together praying together. But some of you, it might be really good if you came here to pray. There'll be a pastor here. And a pastor here, they will anoint you if you need to be prayed for for healing. Okay? So let's sing together. Let's pray. In the arms of the There is love like no other He who formed all things Offers love to me Where you go He will follow The dark through the
of coming into this place and you meeting with us that you are here. God, we bring ourselves before you, everything that we are, everything that we have. And from our deepest place of sorrow, God, we cry to you. And my prayer for myself and for all of us as we leave here today is that, God, we would not leave here not being in a place of worship. We do not have to just cry out to you here in this place, God. So God, be with us as we go into our week, as we cry out to you. With everything that we are. soul devotion, our soul purpose, God, is to worship you in our response and thanks, God. We trust you, God. Amen. Would you receive this blessing today? And now go in peace out into the world. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself as you go worshiping him. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.